Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hi everyone and welcome to another Stem Cells Digested podcast. My name is Abigail and I'm a PhD student at King's College London. And on today's episode, we are joined by Professor Denis Duboul, who is a developmental geneticist and professor of biology at both the University of Geneva and at the EPFL, both in Switzerland. Uh, his research interests include body plan and limb formation, and he has therefore worked extensively on the Hox group of genes. So thank you for joining us today, Denis. Thank you, Abigail. So I'll start by asking, um, where do you think your interest in developmental genomics began? Oh, um, it began when I was a master's student, in fact. I, I'm, early on, I wanted to study plants. I was a big fan of mushrooms. I still am, actually. Uh, and that was, you know, that was the um, that was the birth of computers at that time, big mm -hmm. computers. And the idea was to list the mushrooms of uh, Switzerland on a computer. It was such a great project. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then I ended up um, in a lab of someone who was um, a, a pioneer in mass embryology, and uh, and then I I fell into it, in, in fact. And um, and ever since I've been I've been so interested by these uh, small embryos. Right. So, what do you consider some of the pressing questions in developmental genomics to be, and what part do you hope your lab will play in addressing these questions? Oh, there's there are so many. That's a difficult <laughs> question. But if I if I were if I were to choose, I would say something which I find particularly um, fascinating is how time is encoded in, in the genome, okay? Um, what determines the, the timing of, of development? Okay? Right. Uh, it's extremely stable. How, how is it possible that you take two human embryos and, and end up at about almost the same week, you know, looking the same? And it's, it's something that is completely, um, it's, a, it's a real mystery. How, and, and of course, there is not one time in development there are a multiplicity of times there's the circadian timing there's the somatic clock there's the hox clock there is all kinds of different clocks and how do these clocks get together such that they can harmonize and i think this is a fascinating topic and if i if i was to start again i would probably invest a little bit more in, into this right so what has been one of the most surprising discoveries your lab has made, would you say? And how has how have past discoveries shaped the current research carried out in your lab? Oh, um, the um, so the second the second your second question is easier, much easier for me to uh -huh. answer. Um, I think it is the discovery that when uh, when Pascal Dolet was a student in the lab and he discovered two things. In fact, first he discovered that these genes were activated during limb development um, at a time when there was a lot of work done on limb development, but not at the molecular level. And in fact, these genes were the first to be that we could superimpose into theoretical framework that had been proposed by Lewis, by people in the States and so on. And say, hey guys, look, perhaps now we can, we can start to merge a, a molecular aspect to a theoretical aspect or more um, cellular aspect. 
But I would say the, the most important point was the, when Pascal discovered that these genes were activated one after the other uh, in, in a time sequence, okay? And I would say this um, observation um, influenced the next uh, 25 years in, in the research of Malala. Not, we, we didn't do, you know, only this, but this is a project we never gave up and um, which I hope we'll be able to, to solve in the next um, four years. Right. And what do you envisage the future of research relating to vertebrate pattern formation to contain? Do you, for example, see um, us relying increasingly on single cell multiomic data or image processing, for example? Not, not really. You know, there's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of buzz on on this. You know, people mm -hmm. say, ah, it's, that you know, there's no longer any hypothesis-driven research, and others saying, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I think all of this is useless. In, in fact, um, the, what what people should realize is that it's never been such an incredible time to look at this than now. I mean, this is the best. You know, I mean, if I could start all over again, I would be so happy. Um, because all these things that people are working on now, they are simple readouts, okay? Um, single cell sequencing in a few years from now will be like, you know, an insight habitization. When I was uh, starting in, in the 80s, it's just a way to see things. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I think the major advances um, for what I'm interested, uh, I mean, there are many questions, but to look at how these developmental mechanisms have evolved into different groups of vertebrates and so on, um, the major advances to me will be to be able to access um, other model system with uh, genetic tools, which have been, uh, you know, it was a big, um, um, we, we were missing these, these tools, uh, you know, even in the mouse, in fact, I mean, we had the homologous recombination for years, but it was so pedestrian and uh, so difficult to, to uh, implement, not pedestrian, difficult to implement. Now, you know, the day you can really start to make transgenic chicks and transgenic snakes, you know, with with a high frequency. Wow, I think you can really address questions which are sort of a dream questions, okay? Um, how these things has changed? How did it evolve? Can I, can I try to dig into the past, you know, to understand how this happened? This is great. So you think ultimately we'll revert back to hypothesis-driven research, ultimately? Oh, I'm absolutely sure. I think these discussions are just futile. I, I don't mm -hmm. see the point. Um, I think people who work without hypotheses producing data set are as useful, as helpful of people staying in their office and thinking so deeply that it hits, you know, the atmosphere. Um, <laughs> you need you need everything. You need everyone. And um, it is a large community. You need people producing stuff. You need people synthesizing. Mm -hmm. And the only um, absolutely essential condition for people in this system is that you enjoy what you do. If you enjoy producing data set, produce data set. Other people will work with them. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess now I want to ask uh, some questions less about your research and more about being a lab manager. Um, so how do you prioritize research ideas that have been in the pipeline for a while and ones that pop up 
just based on information that you've just recently acquired? Do you ever have to put some projects on hold because there's something more important to pursue? Yeah, I'm. You know, a, a lab is not a, a laboratory is not the lab head. The lab head is trying to you know to run the lab, but there are many many constraints, and it's fortunate the lab mm -hmm. is made out of people working in the lab, not of the head. Right. So you have to follow sometimes, and sometimes you want to influence. And uh, you know what we did uh, four years ago that is to decide to give up mice and to move into this uh, new biological object. Um, you need to be convincing, you need to explain uh, why. And, um, um, but you, you know, once again, a lab is a society, it's a small society. And um, if you take decisions yourself, and um, if you don't consider things popping up uh, here or there, you're not going to be re-elected at, at the next uh, poll, you know. So, <laughs> so you, you need to consider these things. I must say, however, to be honest, um, the, the perception of these things changes with the with the the age or with your level of seniority, in fact. And it is true that when you are you know when you are 45, when you you have you know you are on the ascending limbs and you need to make your your stuff and you work like like dogs and so on. Um, you are in a different phase. Um, you are not in a phase where you can sit and listen to people and so on. Um, so I think I went through all these different phases and I can appreciate that. In fact, they all correspond to a certain state of mind. In fact, you don't behave when you're 60 or 65, the same way as when you are 35. But it's like for hypothesis driven and not hypothesis driven. It's all good, you know, as long as people are happy. As long as people are happy in your lab, it's fine. Right. So in what way would you say you are different now as a as a principal investigator than when you first started? Oh, I'm, um, I'm you know, when you realize that you no longer need to, uh, you know, to, it's not now that you will ch change the universe and, and uh, um, you sort of uh, focus a little bit more on um, what other people would like to do and uh, you you probably consider a little bit more um which you know may or may not be good it depends you know if you have people who like to be helped who like to talk to you you, you need to but if you have people who are very happy being alone and, and coming to talk to you every month it's fine too you know so mm -hmm. it's a complicated uh, it's a complicated uh, job in fact Right. But, but, once, but once again, I think the only recipe is simply to um, uh, sort of be yourself and, uh, you know, not having a not having a posture and uh, simply uh, be frank and be yourself. And, and if you do this, I think it's going to work. Mm -hmm. And what would you say the most challenging and rewarding aspects are of having your own lab? Oh, um, that again, <laughs> that again, changing over time, it's yeah. changing over time. Um, I think the, you know, when you are um, 40, the most rewarding thing is to collect publication in nature and, and so on. <laughs> and uh, um, when you are in a slightly more advanced stage of your career, you, you change your priorities. And for example, when you see that people coming from your lab are now, you know, organizing meetings and they start to invite you because they're nice, okay? 
then you say, well, I mean, that's a satisfaction. Okay, not to be invited by your your guys. You see what I mean? But yeah. to 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 think that these people who are actually doing well, you know, doing well that means it doesn't mean to win big prizes. It means doing good science, being able to do it for 30 years, to have a family, to feed your family with your science. Okay, I mean this is great. When I when I see um, you know some woman who went through my lab who have who had children who are doing fantastically well, this is a satisfaction. Okay, it it's not I'm not making it. You know, it, it's just it sounds good. Okay, actually better than having a paper, yet another paper in a in in Nature or Cell, in fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess to to wrap up, what piece of advice would you give to someone thinking about pursuing a career in scientific research? Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's sort of a joke, but I you know I've been asked this question before, and and um, my answer is. Uh, uh, my only advice is never listen to any advices from people who are giving you advices, okay? Because I guess this, that puts us in a difficult position. <laughs> this is this is useless. I think advices are very good when they concern private problems, personal problem. You know, uh, to have uh, friends around that can tell you, look, I've, I've been through the same sort of thing, so perhaps you should. Okay, that's fine. But advices as to career, you know, when you have these big meetings of scientists and you have these, these boomers sitting on, on stage and saying, oh, when I was young, I did this and this, and you know, I advise, come on, come on. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't work like this, okay? Mm -hmm. um, you go, you build your own career, and if you hit a wall sometimes, then you can go to someone and this is this is when you know friends are for this is what friends are for if you hit a wall you go and say what should what do you think i should do but to have general advices on the career no just be passionate and, and the rest will will follow mm -hmm. that's great well thank you very much for for joining us today and thank we you, hope to see you again soon take care bye-bye